Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. Well, we are welcoming each of our listeners with us. This month, the month of September, we have been talking about the art of communication. And today kind of wraps up this little five-part series as we've looked at several different aspects and layers of communicating. We began by talking about how God communicates to us and the power of his word and the, the place the word of God needs to have in our lives. From that, we moved on to talk about communication within the church and the idea of transparency and having everyone help one another as God wants us to. From that, we talked about communicating through disagreements and how to keep the uh, big picture before us, how to deal with arguments. That's, again, it's something that happens a lot in our culture today. From that, we talked about talking to teens and the valuable lesson of being able to communicate well with your teenager. And so then today, as we wrap up this series, we're going to look at a passage that probably we've read a zillion times, but there's a little statement in there we don't think about very often. And we want to focus on talking to ourselves. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus, as he was talking about the idea of greed and how you need to watch out and beware of every form of greed, told a parable about this productive farmer. And this farmer was going to tear down his barns and build larger barns. And that night his soul was required of him, and he died. And God said, who will now have what you prepared? Well, in the midst of that parable, in verse 19, we have this farmer saying to himself, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I don't think we very often talk to our soul. And I think that's a statement we don't think about very often. But really what he was doing is just reflecting. He was looking within. And that idea of talking to our soul or talking to ourselves is something that's really going to base upon the idea of our conscience. There's a lot of voices out there telling us what to do. Every time you turn on the TV and here comes a commercial, it's basically saying you need to buy this, you need to do this, and that's a voice calling to you. We have different people in our lives who tell us you need to do this or this is something you really have to do. All these voices telling us what to do in our lives, but there comes a time when we got to listen to ourselves. And that's where the conscience comes in. Yeah, and this is an interesting balance, right? Because we know passages like Jeremiah 17, verse 9, tells us that the human heart is deceitful above all things. It is not that we're telling people, well, you just listen to your inner voice and you just follow your heart and do whatever it is that you want to do. No, the Bible is clear in telling us this needs to be an informed conscience, right? Just because I think it doesn't automatically make it right. Just because I feel it doesn't mean it is honoring to God. But it is fascinating to me Dozens and dozens of times in the Psalms, for instance, you read of David and others literally talking to their souls. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Psalm 42, verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? 
hope in God. Uh, Psalm 62, verse 5, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Or Psalm 103, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Clearly, there is biblical precedent for this. We want to explore the power of that. Roger, maybe a good thing to get us kicked off in the right direction. When we talk about or when God talks about our consciences, you said this is really revolving around our consciences. What What is that? Well, you know, our conscience, and I love this illustration somebody used years ago. They said a conscience is a lot like your watch. And your watch is only good, first of all, if, number one, it's working. Mm-hmm. If your watch isn't working, but you're wearing it on your wrist, it's not going to help you. <laughs> and then secondly, it has to be set to the right time. I mean, if you're overseas and you're in London and you're looking at Indiana time, uh, that doesn't help you. And so that's how our conscience helps us. First of all, is it working and is it set to God's word? When it does that, our conscience, it, it, it kind of pricks us. You know, when Peter was preaching in Acts 2, it says they were cut to the heart. They were pricked to the heart. What does that mean? Their conscience bothered them. When Stephen was preaching in Acts 7, it says that they were cut to the quick. Well, what does that mean? It means their conscience bothered them. And so our conscience can, one thing it does is produce guilt. Uh, and, and that comes about several ways. Uh, in anger, we say something, and as soon as those words leave our lips, our conscience bothers us. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it that way. And that conscience helps us. It, it, it guides us in what we should do. And so within our conscience comes guilt. And within our conscience comes the motivation or the prompting. We, we're reading God's word and we're seeing some things there and says, you know what? I'm not doing that. And that conscience will kind of push you. I need to be doing that. I need to go forgive that person or I need to be more engaged as God wants me to in his word. So, so our conscience, if it's working and set to God's word is a wonderful, wonderful tool. It keeps us out of trouble and it gets us going where God wants us to be. All right. So we all know what it is to learn about our consciences as a, a pretty young person. I think we, you know, maybe one of the earliest exposures outside of Bible class or Bible reading is something like Pinocchio, where you hear a lot about your conscience. But it's interesting to me that in connection with the gospel, even in connection with baptism, uh, for instance, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3.21 talks about how baptism wrapped up into that is an appeal to God for a good conscience. And so, Roger, if I haven't always said to myself what I ought to say as defined by God, it sounds like I'm not a lost cause. My my conscience can be cleaned, right? Absolutely. And, and, and your conscience can be changed. Again, like that illustration of the watch, you know, you, you, you leave Louisville on an airplane and you travel to California. They're three hours different than we are. What do you do when you land? You, you change your watch to the current time there. So we change our watches, our conscience from the culture we live in 
to God's word. And, and so that will prompt us to do things. It will move us as God wants. James would say at the very end of chapter four, he says, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So it's not, it's not a matter of not knowing. I know it's the right thing to do. I just don't want to do it. That becomes sin. Why? Because your conscience has not lined up with God's word. You have not done what God wants you to do. We read in our Bible sometimes of people that had a seared conscience or a callous conscience. What's that like? Yeah, First Timothy 4, verse 2, Paul warns about consciences that are seared. And when I think of that, I... I just, I don't know where it came from, but I have this mental image of a red hot stovetop and someone putting their hand down on that stovetop. I probably saw that illustration decades ago and it made uh, just a, a hauntingly painful impression on me because you can imagine what that's like, right? If you inadvertently touch a hot iron or a, a hot stovetop, Man, that just goes all through you, right? But we understand someone who is not thinking the way they ought to think, the first time I do that, boy, is that going to burn. And the second time I do that, it is going to burn and it is going to just hurt in undescribable ways, right? But we understand physiologically, you can do that enough. You can put your hand on a hot stovetop long enough to such a degree that the nerves in your God-given hand are seared. And by that, we mean you can't even feel it anymore, right? What a vivid way of warning that this God-given conscience given to us to keep us away from disaster, to serve as a a guardrail for our souls, we can choose the wrong path so often. We can shut ourselves off to correction and rebuke and instruction so long. We we can be so self-centered that our conscience gets to the point it doesn't bother us anymore Roger, it's hard for me to imagine a more dangerous state to be in than that. It is. You know, in Jeremiah 6, as the prophet was pointing out the sins of Judah and how just wrong they were, they had just given up on God, one of the things he says in Jeremiah 6 was that they could not even blush. And, and, and you know, blush comes about embarrassment, maybe another word we'd say, uh, comes about from that conscience. And so we look in our culture today, and there are people who stand on the stage. They'll do it in songs. They'll say the most filthy, vile, obscene things, and it doesn't bother them. And we say, well, how can they do that? How can they do that without blushing or being embarrassed is that their conscience is no longer working. Their conscience is seared. Same thing with wearing clothes. There's some people who, who leave the house with hardly anything on and say, aren't you embarrassed? No, they're not. And, and why are they not embarrassed? Their conscience no longer is working. And so for the child of God, we have to see how valuable it is to put ourselves into the word of God and get that word into us because that keeps that, that conscience tender and it gets it working. You know, it's kind of like uh, some Play-Doh. You know, when you first take that Play-Doh out, you can shape it and move it and all kinds of things. But if you leave the lid off it for a couple of days, you can't move that Play-Doh. It's stuck. <laughs> it's hard. 
And that can happen to our conscience. Uh, things no longer bother us. Things no longer affect us in any way. And the radar has simply been turned off and we're not listening to God anymore. So, so that, that's the idea of listening to yourself. It's having that conscience that's built upon God that realizes, okay, there's times I need to go do better. There's times I need to apologize. I feel bad about something I did. And that will lead you to repentance. It's like that godly sorrow that Paul talks about in Corinthians. Without that godly sorrow, without that sorrow, nothing comes about. But that sorrow is built upon a conscience that's built upon God. I think you bringing up repentance is such an important aspect of this entire discussion because, of course, we live in a culture right now where there are so many who have bought into the idea, if you make me feel bad, if you make me feel shame, if you somehow make me feel sorrowful, then either you must hate me or you do not love me or you have some sort of a a terrible problem of your own and i'm just caught in the the backwash of of your own trouble that is so contrary to the message of the Bible. I mean, the same Apostle Paul, in fact, in the same letter where he warns about seared consciences, tells young Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, listen, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere Faith. Uh, he would tell Timothy in his second letter, Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable to teach us, but also to reprove us and correct us and train us in righteousness. He he tells Timothy, Timothy, you've got to be ready to preach the word. You have to be ready in season and out of season. When when people want to hear it and when they don't, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Roger, that sure does sound like, okay, sometimes I need the help of others to get back to listening to my own God-given conscience. Absolutely. And, and, and there's two aspects to what Paul's telling Timothy there. He's telling the preacher from the preacher's perspective, you've got to preach the truth and you've got to say what God says. And sometimes that means stepping on toes. But then there's a standpoint of the listener. Uh, my conscience has to be turned on. I have to be working. I have to be thinking about that. And when I hear those words preached, I've got to take them to my heart. I've got to talk to myself as we're titling this one segment here and realize, okay, maybe I need to ch- make some changes. Maybe I'm not living righteously as God wants me to. And how can I do that now? So, so there's the obligation of speaking the truth, but then there's the obligation of receiving that truth and making the changes as God wants us to. Uh, James is talking about receiving that word. And then he uses the illustration of a man looking in the mirror and forgetting what he looks like. Uh, that's a conscience that's no longer working. He, he's not thinking about what God wants him to do. And so we need to get there where God wants us to be on these things. Yeah, got to keep our consciences sensitive. Uh, Roger, I'll kick it back to you in a minute. But the last thing that stands out to me along these lines is I don't want anyone to listen to this conversation and 
feel like, well, I'm too far gone. Um, I, I have done too much. I have defiled my own God given conscience to such a degree that, that there's just no hope for me. Uh, the hope is the gospel. The, the hope is not in a New York Times bestseller. The hope is not in another blog post or another YouTube video. It's what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 9 verse 14, that the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit, Jesus offered himself without blemish to God and that blood can purify our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. We can be dead in our trespasses and sins, brought to life, born again by the power of Jesus's blood and the spirit to serve the living God, but our hearts have to be open to this gospel message. Yes, and when it does, that that sensitive spirit built upon the Word of God will will reflect that. You'll make the changes. You can take somebody out there who's mean and grumpy, and he can become kind and generous. You take somebody who's self-centered, and he becomes somebody that becomes very humble. That gospel working on our conscience can make all kinds of changes, starting inside, but then being reflected on the outside. And that's that's the direction it has to be. And so uh, the idea of when I read my Bible, when I hear this word preached or taught, I've got to look at myself. Where am I in these things? And when you read how Jesus taught, that's just a great segment. He talked to the people where they were, and he brought them along, and he was appealing to their hearts. And that's that's a way of getting that conscience exactly where God wants it to be. The Art of Communication is what this month has been all about on Fridays. We talked about the power of words, communication within the church, communication through disagreements, talking to teens, and now talking to ourselves. Roger, thanks so much for joining me throughout this series. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come. <music>